Hey, welcome to Conversations with Ben Dixon, where we discuss important topics through a biblical lens with a desire to equip and encourage you. If you want to watch this later, you can always go to our YouTube channel. You can also download the audio version of this on iTunes or Spotify. Make sure to like, subscribe, and share this with your friends and family. We want more people to join the conversation. If you forget all of that, just go to www.conversationswithbendixon.com. We've got a lot of past episodes. We have many future episodes that are coming, and we just want you to join in because we're talking about things that we think are really important. And uh, and many of these we're already talking about, so we're trying to sort of put as much in here as we possibly can. Today's very special because my guest is my son, Isaiah Don. So guys, good to be back. Uh, he made it back. He got a he got a second <laughs> shot. He was in season one. Now he's back for season two. And Isaiah is the youth pastor at Mill Creek Foursquare Church in Linwood, Washington. Mm-hmm. He's also a rapper, and sure. I don't mean Christmas rapper, so don't call him for that. But I taught him everything he knows. That's We're talking right. about sixteen bars. We're talking about laying down tracks. We're talking about beats. We're talking about rhythm and it. flow the and game. rhyme and all that. And you guys know that I flow in that way, and so does he. And so we're thankful that he learned a lot from me, and I get all the royalties from everything that he sells. But if you're interested in following along with him, you can go to Isaiah Dawn on Spotify or iTunes and download any of his uh, of his albums. And just wanted to let you know about that. The reason that I have Isaiah with me today is because when we we're going to be talking about advocating for biblical justice. That's the episode title today. And it seems like an umbrella term or maybe categorical, but we're really going to get into um, what biblical justice is, uh, what other forms of justice in the world are, and how there's a conflict and a contrast. And really, at the end of this, we want to land in a place where we're advocating for and really giving you a guide for next steps in what it means for Christians, followers of Jesus, to do justice, as it says in Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. That's our heart. That's our goal. And really, that's our need in the culture that we're in right now that's very volatile over these uh, issues at hand when God's heart is very, very clear. And so we're going to do what we can to really encourage you in the scriptures uh, today. Mm -hmm. But this Isaiah has a heart and a passion, and I would say that he's a student in these days, uh, mm-hmm. reading a lot of material, engaging a lot of people about the issue of justice and the various aspects of it. So that's why we're here today, and I pray that this would uh, encourage you. And so, Isaiah, super glad that you could join me. Yeah, and thanks for uh, having me under these circumstances. <laughs> but what I'd like to do first is to actually define what we're talking about when we say justice. And specifically, we're saying the word biblical justice for a reason, because right. we're trying to define what it is that we mean. And so what do we mean when we say biblical justice? How do yeah. we define that specifically? Yeah, I think the way that we would define biblical justice is just a uh, a value for humans to, you know, seeing them in the way that God, you know, gives us value, mm-hmm. right? We're made in the image of God, uh, so we treat people with value. Mm-hmm. And I think like we know we live in a fallen world and right. because of sin injustice abounds right and so we treat people unfairly all the time in different moments right we see it in ourselves and we see it in the world and so god really calls us all throughout the scripture to do justice as you said in, in Micah 6:8 to see not only see people the way that with the value that he created us with but also to treat them that way so it's mm-hmm. an an action but i also think it's a belief as well mm-hmm. and um you know, there are many verses on this throughout the you know the Bible that mm-hmm. we see. Uh, you gave Micah six eight. I think Jeremiah twenty two three is, is similar. It says, "Do justice, 
uh, and righteousness and deliver from the hand of the oppressors him who has been robbed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you go in Proverbs 31, uh, verse 8 through 9. I, I love the way that the language for this. It says, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Right. Um, ensure justice for those who are crushed. Yes, speak up for the poor and helpless and see that they get justice. I think that's like the the, the heart of it, right, is, is to speak for those uh, who society or or others have deemed valueless or who are in, in places of, of difficult struggle and they need help. They need uh, the heart that God gives us towards, you know, to act towards them, you know, when we have the power to do so, so. Yeah, I mean yeah. the Bible's the Bible's quite clear, and I think sometimes um, in the conversation, the cultural conversations today, we get confused about what we're talking about and why. Right. So God created us in His image, according to His likeness. His image maybe is there's a reflection of God in our our created order, like what we are, mm-hmm. but then how we are is His likeness. We're called to be like God, and right. that's what Paul actually says in Ephesians chapter five. He talks about emulating our Father. And this is what Jesus is restoring us in in Christ mm-hmm. by the power of the Holy Spirit back to is to actually be Christ-like. It's to right. be like the one that we're following. And if we are, then not only are we restored to a sense of dignity um, in ourselves, but we're going to do that for others as well. We're going to see people within their God-given value. They're created right. in the image of God. They're loved by God. Mm-hmm. They're cherished by God. He wants to rescue everyone's life. And he calls us into his mission to go and reach people, go and love people, go and restore people so that we all could have that essential equality. And so wherever inequality exists, wherever mistreatment exists, according to what scripture says is right and true and good, uh, then we're called to be people of justice, right? And so there's a verse here, Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 18, it says, Mm. for the Lord is a God of justice. And, and yeah. this means that God is just. Um, God has equal, he, he's the only one that has the, the proper weighted scales. You know, he knows what true justice actually is, whereas we often don't. And this is important because when we're distinguishing, particularly in the contrast of culture and how many go about trying to do justice, we recognize that the only way you can do justice is that if God's word is your moral standard. Right. Yep. Because justice can only be done in response to that which is right and true. Otherwise, it's subjective. So mm-hmm. I get to decide what is right and what is true and therefore what is just. And so when we talk about biblical justice, we're going back to scripture and we're saying, God created us in, in his image. We fell away in sin as a result of sin. Injustice is like this spider web all across the world in every age, stage, generation, every every part of the planet has injustice. And then Jesus comes, redeems us. We decide to follow him, place our faith in him. And, and he calls us to bring restoration back to the planet. And therefore, where we see injustice and where we see the devaluing of human life through the gospel and through the power of the Holy Spirit and through the filter of what he says is right, good, and true, we bring restoration back into the world by giving yeah. our life sacrificially as Jesus did because we're trying to follow him. And so there are other things that are are done or said in the name of justice that sometimes have conflict with what a Christian should believe and uh, and ought to believe. But uh, one of the things that we have here in, in our notes we've talked about is um, there is 
two kinds of justice that the Bible talks about. There's the justice that's called restorative justice. And this, there's a Hebrew word that goes along with this, and it means to seek out the vulnerable and people who are being taken advantage of and, yeah. and advocate for them, mm-hmm. you know, have a voice for the voiceless, have presence where people are not seen, um, lift up those that cannot lift up themselves. Um, all of that, that's re- restorative justice. And then there's retributive justice. And this is what we would be used to in sort of like the, the penal system. Right. Um, punishment. Which is you know, where punishment for wrongdoing. Um, justice demands that injustice be punished. And if evil goes unpunished, uh, injustice will Abound, yeah, abound, and, yeah, yeah. And, and just, just like yep. you know, so, so the reality here is, is that we, we really believe in both, but we, mm-hmm. we believe in both, with the Bible being the backdrop, right? Not yeah, a moral subjective experience that comes from God, right? He's, he's our, our guide, our, our compass for now, justice. Now, for Christians, is doing justice, uh, is it negotiable? No, yeah, right. No. <laughs> yeah, you never see God. Uh, he doesn't say, "I suggest." Right. This is like he he assumes do justice. This right. is and you you see God throughout Scripture too. Just kind of where he gets upset is when mm-hmm. people see injustice and they don't do anything about it, mm-hmm. or they uh, um, or they participate in injustice themselves. Right. Yeah. So either you're complicit, uh, you, you're you're either uh, silent about it or you're complicit in it. Like you're either an advocate for injustice and you're perpetuating it, or you're silent about it when you see it. Mm -hmm. And I I would advocate this too, when you see it, not just when someone tells you something is going on that's unverifiable. And I think that's, there's a lot of confusion in that space today too, where it's like, you know, if you're silent about this, then you don't really you don't care, care about what's right. Yeah. And, the, and the reality is, is that, no, I'm silent about you yelling about something. I'm right. silent about your version of this. I'm silent about your narrative, mm-hmm. or I'm prayerfully considering what the Bible teaches in contrast to what you're saying, yeah. because that is part of the uh, part of the conflict that I think we face today. Well, I think that's wisdom too. It's just that how do you know how to bring justice if you don't first know the injustice that's been done? Right. If you're trying to still kind of gather information or try to understand what's going on, and you're right. I think a lot of times when something happens, like, because most of our life is on social media and all of that, like we're, and as pastors, we kind of, everyone wants to know what's your thought on this right away, you know, and, and it's almost like- Everyone have to wants give, to know our thought on this? Maybe, maybe not <laughs> yeah. everyone. Those, those few followers. Like, those <laughs> Mom the, wants to know what yeah, I think. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Stop I've, texting I've got a few, I've got a few little humans at home that still, I think, want to know what I have to say about But this. I think there are, there are thoughts and like- if everybody is talking about something and you, you know, sometimes if you don't say something or post something or have a strong opinion about something yet, it might come off as though you don't care, um, right. that you uh, kind of give a pass to injustice, you know. And just as you said, it, I think it's it's something that we really have to be wise about. But when we see it, man, we need to, to talk about mm-hmm. it. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, we need to take steps towards bringing God's, you know, form of justice to it. So biblical justice, you know, I'm an advocate for the actual terminology that we talk about biblical justice. And and the reason why is we just have to be reminded all the time, go back to the Bible. What does scripture teach? What does scripture teach about all of these various issues? And I I think that, you know, sort of sums up this this idea of what we're kind of going for and Mm -hmm. why. But there's a book that 
uh, we've both read, right. and I would encourage you to read as well. It's called Confronting Injustice Without Compromising Truth. Thaddeus Williams is the author. It's a great book. Yeah. I really, I really, really highly, well I really highly, highly encourage it. I know there's a book I haven't read yet, but you read it. It's yeah, called, by Scott Allen. Um, it's called uh, Why Social Justice is Not Biblical Justice. Okay, so there's a contrast. So it takes in that. a little bit of a contrast, and and we've pr- kind of processed this a little bit yep. too, but. Uh, yeah, Thaddeus Williams kind of breaks it up into two types of justice. So it's like social justice A, which is what we just talked about, right? A biblical idea of justice, valuing humans, um, retributive and restorative. And then the social justice B, which is what we see kind of more a secular humanistic perspective mm-hmm. uh, to justice and the answers that it might have. And so in Scott's book, he kind of he calls it ideological social justice and a biblical worldview. Mm -hmm. So some people don't like to use the word, you know, social justice, you know, the idea kind of sometimes being that uh, it it feels like a qualifier in Mm -hmm. a sense. It's it's become very political. Totally. When when you, when people say social justice, typically you don't, you know, today you you don't necessarily think just the Bible. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's other things attached to it. And Mm -hmm. so I think that's why it's important that, we have this conversation and kind of distinguish, okay, well, what do we mean? And so I think Thaddeus does a good job, you know, in his book mm-hmm. um, of breaking it down between, you know, social justice A and social justice B. Yeah, the concept that I really like uh, in his book and and I, and I would advocate for and teach before reading, reading it and after reading it is that true justice is actually a matter of worship. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, because when God is... When God's word is the moral standard, first of all, God is the supreme being. I know this is probably not the best terminology, but God is the supreme being over all of us, and all of us are accountable to God. He created us, and in our sin, we worshiped the creation rather than creator. When we come back into relationship with God, we begin to worship the creator. We look at his word. His word says what is true, and he tells us to do justice. And so that is what we want to do. We want to do right by our fellow man. Jesus says to love your neighbor as yourself. The first commandment is to love the Lord your God with all your mind, heart, soul, and strength. Second is to love your neighbor as yourself. So as we love God, we love his word. Mm -hmm. We love his truth. We say, your way is my way. Your truth is my truth. What is right and righteous to you is what is right and righteous to me. I, I do not have a view or a version or an opinion. My opinion is whatever your opinion is. And so I'm forever seeking that out. I'm forever discovering and studying what that means. And so it actually is an issue of worship to do justice, but to make sure that doing justice is biblical and it is what God says, and then we must actually do it because we're we're saying to God, I'm following you. I'm wanting to be like you. I'm wanting to act out what I see you doing in the world and yeah. partnering with you. So right. I love how we sort of frame this up, and and he does that in his book a little bit, as a matter of worship. And therefore, to not actually do justice, Micah 6.8, to not do justice would therefore be to ignore often what God has sent us back into the world as his ambassadors and advocates to actually do. First, it is to preach the gospel so that men and women's hearts could be made right with their maker and that through Christ and his precious blood, we could actually come back into our created order and relationship with God. And then it would perpetuate injustice would be something that we deal with through true justice as the gospel actually infects and affects the people around us. And so, I, I think it's really vital to actually frame this up in, in 
in this greater narrative of worship. It yeah. is actual worship for us to know and to do that which uh, God says. And so let me let, let's kind of take a little bit of a let's branch out here yep. and talk about what injustice is so that when mm. we seek to do justice, what are we, yeah, what are, we what are some at? primary injustices that we're facing like in our world today? Yeah. I mean, and you, uh, I think you did a Facebook post about this the other day. We've talked did about I? it a really? lot. Um, abor- well, abortion. Abortion. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I talked about abortion. So you're talking about what's going on right now. So abortion um, is one of the major injustices huge, that we're facing. Huge, right. Yep. And, and we've, we've looked at the numbers. We've talked about it. Um, you know, I think it's for, what is it? Uh, 64 million abortions in U.S. alone, right? 2,400 um, a day. Tw- yeah, according to Live Nation, like that that breaks our hearts, right? The most yep. vulnerable of us um, are discarded. And it's mm-hmm. not, it, when you look at history, it's not a new thing. He talks about it and uh, Thaddeus talks about this in, in uh, the Roman world as well, how oftentimes, you know, baby boys were kept, baby girls were uh, discarded um, or those who had any kind of physical ailments or anything like that. And what's amazing about the church, again, as we talked about doing justice, the church was the response. The church is the one that saw the value to these babies and brought them in and, and raised them and took care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also helped set God's moral standard for what was right and what was just in that time period to, I, I think in some ways it actually changed the way that, uh, that they treated kids and treated each other. You see it all throughout Paul's language too in the way that he addresses people. Uh, but that's huge. That's that's a huge form of injustice that we so, see. Today. So abortion is a huge one, and then um, and then I think a little branch off of abortion would just be child abuse and exploitation. Absolutely, yeah. Right. So th- mm-hmm. this is a massive one, obviously, yeah. and so there's a lot of passages about protecting children, mm-hmm. the um, most vulnerable. E- and James even talks about pure and undefiled religion. James chapter one and the final chapters of or the final verses of chapter one is pure and undefiled religion is to actually care for widows and orphans. So the care for the vulnerable, right? So injustice is to throw away those that are older, those that Mm. society deems as Mm -hmm. non-functional, non-useful. They don't matter. They don't have meaning anymore to this sort of cogwheel of the world that sort of benefits all these individuals and all these systems and all these people. And so whether Mm -hmm. you're older and on the retired end of the spectrum and maybe you're ill or disabled, and then also for children, it's um, children are used and abused and exploited. And so the Bible talks about caring for uh, it's a it's a, gr- a gross injustice yeah. on both sides of life, right. the beginning of life and the ending and the of end. life, yeah. um, before you die and after you you are uh, after you are born. born. Yeah. And so mm. the Bible gives in the law; it's actually written into the law. Many protections are written into the law, also for disabled people. Mm-hmm. There's several um, passages that talk about uh, caring for the blind. It's written into Leviticus. It's it's even to um, protect those that are are blind and to care for them. The whole yeah. idea of giving alms in the Old Testament, giving alms to the poor. Most of the poor were disabled. Most yeah. of the poor were blind. Yeah, Eye infections would cause people to be blind. We thank God for modern medicine. The majority of people that have access to modern medicine, once again, not everybody does, mm-hmm. but if you do, you, you don't have to go blind due to an eye infection, or you don't have to go right. deaf due to an ear infection. And that's that's something that God has allowed us to advance in. So we thank God for that. We pray that everyone has access to healthcare all over the world in whatever way is, is right and righteous. 
Um, but we're talking about abortion. We're talking mm-hmm. about child abuse and expo- exploitation. Um, yeah, human slavery is yep, another that's, one. That'd be another um, branch of, yep. I've got to travel to Cambodia before in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, sex slavery is uh, horrific there, and it's, mm-hmm. and it's a big thing. We visited a, a, a place where they rescue girls out of uh, sex slavery, and um, it hit me when I was, I was a freshman when I went the first time and just seeing these young girls that uh, had been treated, you know, this way and treated and discarded, disvalued, you know, um, and and it's not just sex slavery, slavery that we see. We also see, you know, slavery, um, you know, people in kind of like forced labor, those mm-hmm. kinds of things. Yep. And uh, the statistic that I found on USA Today is that there are about 40 million people. Uh, there's an estimate that's higher than that, but about 40 million people across the globe uh, that are still in slavery. And I think it's that comes to us. Yeah, it's probably yeah. higher. It's probably way higher. I that. think it comes as a surprise to people because uh, most of our perspective in, in the U.S. is kind of slavery that happened, um, you know, with black people and and what we saw and and. In, you know, in older times, but this is stuff that's still happening today. Mm-hmm. And it, and it, there are tremendous organizations and a lot of them Christian that are doing things to, whether it be rescue people out, you know, mm-hmm. give them education, you know, care for them, uh, you know, feed them all of that, uh, uh, you know, rescue all, all the things that they, they might do to give somebody value. Um, but it's, it's, it, there's so many things that we can do. I think when we talk about these things, mm-hmm. uh, even when with abortion, we've had, uh, the Pregnancy Resource Center come and talk to our students. And that was so, I think it was eye-opening and beneficial to both on one hand, be able to learn how do they sit with mothers who feel like abortion is their only option mm-hmm. and how do they help them to to know there are other options, right? Mm-hmm. That uh, the best, there, there's a better option than that. Mm-hmm. And so we, we learned kind of how to have compassion, mm-hmm. Um, um, mm-hmm. but at the same time to do something, right? Because we talk a lot, about injustices, but there's something about involving ourselves um, in these these situations where it's not just a theory anymore. It's actual we're like living life with people. So yeah, the pregnancy resource. If you have one around you, uh, you know, uh, don't know where everybody. Another is Another one's living, called CareNet around here. CareNet, yeah, okay. CareNet's a pretty large yeah. ministry organization that helps people that are contemplating their mm, pregnancy right. and obviously giving them options, resources, education, and next steps. So we mm-hmm. we advocate for that. We will talk about that at the end, actually. Um, another one is starvation. Yeah. Right? So people don't, you know, the, the statistics that I've read right here, eight, 811 million people in our world are going hungry or starving right wow. now. And they, the mm-hmm. question is, do we, some people have said, we have enough resource, <clears throat> whether that's finances or food, to actually feed everybody in the world. And if we, uh, I know that, you know, there's ideology, uh, socialism, the redistribution mm-hmm. of wealth yeah. is to say, this is the way that we do it. We compel people that have to give to, give, to yeah. those that don't. Um, and that's never, never worked because the people that dictate such ideologies actually end up on top and, right. power and, to and become dictators in control. And it, it just has never worked and it won't work. And so we, of course, I would believe that so. Uh, socialism is is evil, mm-hmm. um, but I also think it's e- it's evil to hoard. It's evil to right. not give. It's evil to not do justice. Yeah, and to so, store up treasures and right. All, yeah. And so mm-hmm. once again, like you know, here we're talking about a political ideology and how society should be run, and and then we're also talking about like 
a, a spiritual truth, which is to do right and righteously with what you have. But what we're facing in this injustice is people are literally dying because they do not have access to food and water yeah. all over the world. And so First John three seventeen. this is just one of the passages I was thinking about. It says, but whoever has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and closes his heart against him, how does the love of God abide in him? Mm, I yeah. mean, what a, yeah. I mean, just if you think Speaks about it, like right here, when we're talking about like doing justice, the idea is, is that if you have more than you need, which to me, like the definition of gluttony, I mean, if you just want to talk about starvation for a second, the definition of, not, of gluttony to me is not just about you having eating more turkey and mashed potatoes at Thanksgiving right. or you being like, I might be a few pounds overweight and, um, and you should just feel guilty because you eat more than you should and you have more than you should. It's not just about you eating more food. It's about in a biblical spiritual sense, it's that you have more than you need and you know there are people that don't have enough. Yeah. And so biblical, uh, a biblical conversation about gluttony where we would think of it as a sin is not sort of catering to the health movement in our right. country, like just get fit, get in shape and, you know, <laughs> shave off those pounds and stop eating all that extra ice cream and it's gluttony and that's a sin before God because you should take care of your temple. And that's sort of the way that it's gone. But right. when you actually read scriptures where the Bible rebukes people for having too much, it isn't the issue of wealth. It isn't the issue of having too much food. It isn't the issue of just eating too much. You're going to find that it's actually an issue of having more than you need and not giving to those that don't have enough. Yeah. That's really what it's about. Do you mm -hmm. share your food? Do you share right. things with other people? Are you compelled not by man, but by God? Does God's heart reside in you in such a way where you're motivated to be generous? You're motivated to give. You're motivated to do something about something like starvation or even just the water crisis across the world mm. where people don't have access to clean drinking water. And so the stats are alarming. They're terrible. And sometimes we live in bubbles, particularly those of us that live in the West. It doesn't mean that we're not aware of it. doesn't mean we're not around it ever. But the reality is that much of the uh, world lives in a totally different space. And yeah. I don't remember what the statistics were, but like when you talk about like who's rich, for example, oh yeah, yeah, I remember we back in the day I used to rail on this because it, it was something that we would do. But anyhow, the if you th if you think about what being rich is, we tend to think like I'm not rich, you know. Yeah, it but it's like eighty percent of the world or something like that, or seventy five percent of the world doesn't even own a car. Right. It's not just because they live in New York City where they don't need one. Like mm -hmm. they literally people don't own cars. Like how many people don't have a, their own bedroom? How many people don't have a mattress? Okay. So when we think about being rich, yes, when it comes to looking at the world and understanding your, where you are and what you have in contrast to others, it's re being rich is relative. Okay. Right. But like when we're comparing ourselves to like our fellow American who lives across the street and has a bigger house, you might use that as your comparison to, by which you would say, I'm not rich. I don't know. I mean, that's up for debate. I, I would say that all of us are rich. You know, oh, yeah. And, and we all have a lot. For sure. What about yeah. issues? I mean, we, of course, can talk <clears throat> forever about racism. Mm -hmm. And I think there's a lot of injustice uh, across the board that has been done in the name of uh, prejudice and racism, where people look down on others because of the color of their skin. Right. And so there's this sense of superiority, right? We've had that in our country. We, I mean, many countries have, we've been dealing with racism from the beginning. In fact, 
what you look at in scripture, if you want to look for a biblical definition of, of racism, or you want to find the sin of racism where it begins, it's hatred. Yeah. It's hatred. And it's a type of hatred where a person doesn't have to do anything against you in order for you to hate them. You hate who they are, what they look like. And again, it's going against this valuing and bringing value to people, like having seeing them through the eyes of God, made in the image of God, different than you, but made in the image of God and recognizing human life has God's value placed on them, marked into them. And we see difference and distinction as uh, as a point of of superiority or inferiority. Right. And and that being like the definition of racism is to is to feel or believe that you're superior over other mm-hmm. people because of the color of their skin. And so we obviously know that we've been dealing with racism um, from the beginning. The, in the Bible, they dealt with it, Jew and Gentile. It says in Ephesians 3 that God has brought down the wall of hostility in Christ where Jew and Gentile could come together and be one new man. So Jesus is our reconciler. Yep. Jesus is the just one. He's the only one that can do justice in this regard. And so we're following the just one into coming together and being together and bringing people together. And that happens first through the gospel of us being reconciled and forgiven and then reconciling people to God and one another. So that's really powerful. We think about the injustice in in uh, in our world and how God has called us uh, to do right and righteously. What are some of the counterfeit forms of justice and the challenges that we might face um, in doing justice according to God's word? I want to kind of contrast because, yeah. right, there are other forms out there, especially when you're in a world that isn't doesn't follow the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to be challenged to to do things either subjectively or it'll have a different slant to it. And are we we're going to run into conflicts with other people in their form of justice, mm-hmm. right? So what are the maybe the ideologies or the differences or the counterfeits or whatever we might word we might use to talk about them? What are those? Yeah, uh, great question. So we we talked about social justice a uh, Thaddeus gives us in his book as social justice B, and I I think the kind of the belief I I I draw distinctions here. So the belief for uh, the our biblical worldview is that evil and injustice are products of sin. Right, mm-hmm. and that justice is treating others, you know, with that human value. Uh, Social justice B would say that evil and injustice are products of dominant groups, right? Mm-hmm. Who create systems and structures who marginalize people, and so justice is to dismantle these systems and these structures, and and to empower the people who are marginalized, right? So to give them power, whether it be you know they're marginalized by race or sex or class or other things. Mm-hmm. Um, words that we typically hear um, coming from like this movement, and maybe we've, we've talked about this before, uh, is kind of like the worldview of critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Uh, so critical race theory is a, it, it comes from the critical theory. So there's many different theories that follow. It's uh, like a under, tree with a lot of branches. Yeah, yeah. Uh, under this uh, the ideas kind of started in simplistic form from Karl Marx and has kind of spread out. Um, you hear it's very associated with like the Frankfurt School. And basically what it is, is a, it's a philosophy that to understand, you know, how to overcome social structures. Basically, just like what I said, it, it uh, social stru- structures of oppressed people. So whether that be race, uh, critical race theory or critical gender theory, you know, whatever theories that uh, follow under that. And so they focus on... Um, I think a good way kind of almost to explain it is every disparity equals discrimination. So wherever you see a disparity um, in race, you know, it, it is because there is racism. Mm-hmm. Um, so racism isn't uh, 
kind of like just in an individual thing, like we would say, um, we'd look at a, a moment or a time in history or whatever, like these people decided to do this and, and they did this out of, uh, it was a racist act. They would say, they almost kind of bring it as a group sin, right? They see that uh, racism really is like the undergirding of, of America. Like it was mm-hmm. built on this, mm-hmm. that this is something, this is why we must like restructure everything, right? Mm-hmm. So if, if social justice A is all about redeeming things, social justice B is all about revolution, mm-hmm. right? So let's tear down, let's build something up that's new. Um, but do you think like just just using social justice here for a minute, because we'll say biblical justice, but right. so, so let's say social justice. A lot of people that talk about social justice, we're talking primarily about a political ideology. We're right. talking about a narrative that's been running in, under different banners and different names for a long time. Mm-hmm. And so today we're using the term social justice primarily right. to define and describe this academic critique. Mm-hmm. Critical theory has been taught you know, at an, at an academic level for a long time. Right. Most of us just don't even know that. We mm-hmm. don't realize that like critical theories and critical race theory have been being pumped into our young people in our universities for yeah. 40 years yeah, or we're longer. Just, it's just now kind of being It's now, I think more. it's now filtering out into the greater society where right. it's observable, it's mm-hmm. seen, it's being tested. You see the application of it now. Correct. Yeah. And so what's, you know, maybe as we just sort of talk about social justice, like I have this definition, social justice is the view that everyone deserves equal mm. economic, political, and social rights and opportunities. Mm. Mm-hmm. And so this idea is that, um, for us to do justice, social justice is to ensure that we, the people and the politicians make everything equal across the board. Yeah, and it's outcome. almost like standardizing it in a way where whatever we've got to do to make that happen, not even realizing we're actually creating injustice to whoever it might be in order to fulfill this desired end of what we call justice. And it's, it's kind of, it's, I mean, it's honestly, it's, it's very, it's a very strange idea and it sounds right to a lot of people because it's like socialism. It's like, okay, well, we have people that don't have something and we have people that have more than they need. So, let's develop a governmental structure. Let's tear down what we have that created this. Mm -hmm. People would say capitalism. So you have that created this where some people that can have, have, and some people can not have, let's tear down that structure, put one in its place, i.e. socialism Mm -hmm. that will take from Peter and give it to Paul. And then Peter and Paul will be at the same place. Mm -hmm. What we don't realize is that Countries have tried to do that for a long time. Right. And what, what we forgot is Robert is at the top here and yeah. Robert is the one that ends up with everything and Peter and Paul end up with nothing mm. because they tend to take from, they, we dismantle right. this structure, capitalism, mm-hmm. install socialism and the people that win are at the top and then it literally implodes right. and destroys itself. Mm-hmm. Now, here's the, here's the thing. When it comes to social justice, what, we, what, what we're not saying is that everything in that thought, everything in that narrative, that framework, I'm not saying everything in there is wrong. Right. Yeah. The problem is, is that the way I often disagree with the way people are going about it. Mm-hmm. I disagree with a lot of sentiments within it. I, yeah. I disagree as to who we are responsible as we walk through it. In other words, man gets to compel man, man gets to command man, man gets to dictate man on what to do and how to do it. Yeah. 
in the in the Bible, it's God commanding us. God is the higher power, and He tells us who we are, how we're created, what He wants, and calls us to go be about it. And then, for therefore, we sacrificially give of our own volition because we are under God. We love God. We're going to give, and so it's it's an interesting. It's man's in charge versus God's in charge. Mm-hmm. It's man's subjective view of justice versus God's true view of justice. Yeah, and this back is to who we worship. And right? this is and this is why it's it's a it's a worship issue. And, and listen to this. Here's a thought. Uh, Matthew five sixteen. I just threw this out there. I was thinking about this this morning. Jesus said, let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works. Okay, so the things that you do good, and you're really, we're talking about doing right by other people, uh, and glorify your Father in heaven. So the Christian's commission is to do right and righteously in the world so that others would be benefited and flourish, but they would do it in such a way so that God would get the glory. Mm -hmm. So do your good deeds that people would see them benefit from them, but that your have that your heavenly father would be glorified that's not what social justice is going to do yeah. social justice is trying to find a way to equalize everything and satisfy this thing that in my view and i think in the bible's view at the end of it it cannot be satisfied because the human heart is riddled with sin full of sin the heart is utterly wicked who can know it and so when you tear down one structure another will rise in its place the with the same, same type of yeah. thinking which is sinful unregenerate right. people are now in charge of people and they are going to wreak havoc they are going to do injustice and that's what happens mm-hmm. with when everybody seeks this place of power and i know power is the thing that's critiqued in critical race theory right. or critical theory theories for that matter. But the reality is, is that if you replace one power for another, I'm not suggesting that there isn't a way to do justice within structures of power. Mm-hmm. But often what I find is that people are contesting the power that exists with another power that is very much the same, just with a different flavor. Right. And so what people will often do is they'll, let's say, for example, with the LGBTQ community, it's saying that, or uh, the whole conversation about gender, and that would be, you know, gender theory. Mm -hmm. It's that, um, you know, let's say uh, transgenderism. So transgendered people are not being treated as equal. And so then what people will do in seeking to do justice, I I think we need to have compassion and I think we need to have love and I think we need to support and pray for people. Um, But the Bible actually teaches a specific way about men and women and gender, but it also teaches us to love people that we would differ with. But there's this gender theory or transgender theory where you could where people are saying that to do justice and to do right by those that call themselves transgender is to actually shift to a place where we favor transgendered people, and then we lift them up even above a place of equality. And that's Mm -hmm. my point. My point is is that it never actually equals out to equality. And it doesn't mean that I think that we shouldn't seek to treat each other with equality. But what you don't see is true equality. What you see Mm -hmm. is we're going to overemphasize one, and we're going to put down any other view that would suggest that we don't agree with any other any of this thought of who this person is or how they feel about themselves, mm-hmm. um, that just goes in the exact opposite direction and creates yeah. another entirely uh, another scenario of injustice. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with? Yeah. Oh, totally. And I and I think that's part that was of like a like, five minute run. That was you good. Just, come that was on, good. you just bam. You know, I don't know. <laughs> but no, I mean that's part of 
like critical theory, right? Is it it the the narrative of the oppressed trumps, the, you know, is goes over what they would call the oppressor, right? And so we have to educate ourselves by you know sitting down, you know, with a black person or sitting down with an, a person of you know uh, who falls in the LGBTQ plus community, and it's kind of like what they say is gospel. Right. And and if they say that this type of thing is happening, if you don't agree with them, then you are being unjust or you just want to perpetuate in, injustice. So like how it works for me as someone being, you know, mixed, what ends up happening to me? Because I'm being a black man or, or being half white, being half black. Like I have diff- a difference of opinion than the critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's they would say that I've I've kind of adopted the the white you know kind of ideology or whatever that because em, that empowers that type of thinking as opposed to I'm a free thinking person that shares you know what I see to be true and I also can hold people's experiences that that I've experienced as well um, whether it been racism or been treating you know being being treated unfairly um, but because my you know narrative doesn't line up with that I don't get, I'm not considered my story doesn't necessarily matter as much or the narrative or whatever from my life it doesn't matter as much as it would from somebody who agrees with you know anything that falls under that line of, of critical theories so no but you're absolutely correct I think that's a great way to put it and I think I think there's a misunderstanding so often um, I know in our last podcast and we're just talking about race for a second mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's longer than a second you never know <laughs> um, and this matters to me because at our, at our at, at Northwest Church we are multicultural we are uh, multi I mean we have various uh, races various languages that are spoken here we have um, different ages and stages and so it matters to me deeply that what I would say and what we're trying to talk about is understood. And I know that some of our last podcasts specifically, um, I had some wonderful conversations with people. And and if you are watching this one and you and I talked, I think I talked to about a half a dozen people as a result of that conversation. Um, First of all, thank you. Thank you for, um, thank you for reaching out to me. Thank you for sharing your story with me. Thank you for trusting me. Um, And I appreciated that. And I didn't want to be misunderstood, but one of the things I brought up is that, you know, the, the whole idea of supporting a movement of Black Lives Matter versus the sentiment mm. of saying Black Lives Matter. And I heard a comedian actually not long ago, and uh, this is, I'm kind of halfway laughing. It, it is kind of funny, but it's but it's it's part of the misunderstanding, which is why I wanted to talk to you about it and how your story intersects with this and matters. Um, and we've talked about this a lot, but the, the thing that I was interested in was that uh, this comedian was like, uh, he was African-American and he was saying, gosh, man, I don't understand how white people don't get it. We're just saying we've reduced it all down to black lives matter and you mm-hmm. don't agree with that. And <laughs> yeah. everybody in the audience was laughing, mm-hmm. white, black, Asian, every, yeah. Hispanic, everybody was laughing. And he was making a joke out of the fact that like people can't agree with the words the, right. black lives matter. Right. And and there again, I think what he was saying and making a joke out of because a lot of what often is funny and sometimes sells for the the comedic uh and entertainment environment is a caricature of something right mm-hmm. so we're kind of making light of a thing that uh, that is uncomfortable and it becomes sort of funny and and although his statement probably resonated with people like yeah why can't white people or anybody else for that matter say black lives matter mm-hmm. well Yes, I agree. Like, if you can't say that and you don't believe that, 
uh, I have no idea where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. The thing that we were talking about was to distinguish between a this movement, this there's an organizational aspect to a movement. Mm-hmm. And what I've learned is that many people don't realize that that movement is stewarded by not all, not all, but many people who have a different theology and right. a different ideology. So when we're talking mm-hmm. about doing justice, once again, if justice is not w- the worship of God and to do what is right in his eyes to our fellow man, um, we're just assuming that everybody who says do this because it's right, because there's been historical wrongs, we're just assuming that if we do what you say we should do, that that's actually going to equal sort of biblical results. And the fact is, is that we can look at history and see that that's not true. It really depends on who's speaking. It really Mm -hmm. depends on what they mean. It really depends on how we're defining justice, how we're defining racism, how we're defining systems and structures of power. And so what we have found is there's this academic version Mm -hmm. that critiques all of this stuff. There's this, in my view, like a biblical version, and then there's sort of like, I mean, and it's being debated. I'm not really as interested in the debate as much as I am advocating for the justice itself. And so when I said I don't support the organization, and I gave my reasons why, and I know you said the same thing. I just I just don't agree with an organization, regardless of what they say their cause is, that says one of our primary goals is to actually dismantle the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. And that to me, once again, if you just think about that statement, which by the way, they've taken off their website since. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. Okay, just so mm-hmm. you know, they've, they've taken off things. their website yeah. because it was a major critique, mm-hmm. is that the nuclear family, mother, father, oh, sons, daughters, one of the massive injustices that is transpiring in the black community today is fatherlessness. Right. And it's not just the black community. In in fact, I've, I've heard statistics as well. Well, I've heard statistics in Brazil that it's, that it's just as high, you know, really? that, that, that I've been told. Mm-hmm. So if you just take it out of America, for example, mm-hmm. you're going to find that there is an issue of fatherlessness and where fathers are not, are not present. And so, so to advocate for the nuclear family is actually to advocate against the injustice that is happening within certain communities because statistics show that when mother and father, even though we're trying to hide these statistics in order to be sensitive to the LGBTQ community, Mm -hmm. the fact is, is that 30 years ago, 20 years ago, these statistics were normative, even though they're covering them up now. But Mm -hmm. we do believe, and there are statistics that show this, that when mother and father are in the home, that sons and daughters and what happens to them and how they steward their life and what happens to them economically as a result of this um, is far beyond what statistics show in some of these communities today. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that it's a total solve, right? but to advocate against the nuclear family is once again, to advocate for part of the cycles that is creating or at least perpetuating injustice in some of these communities. So I'm not suggesting that's the only problem. Racism is an issue. Racism has been an issue. We stand against racism. I stand absolutely absolutely opposed to all forms of racism completely, but I can't stand for things that say it's advocating against racism when in reality it's creating or perpetuating some of the same sentiments for which 
give racism and the effects thereof sort of a greenhouse to grow yeah. or or at least the injustice that's a part of various communities. And I, I'm just, um, this is my point is yeah. that, is that we can have the right cause and we can say we're anti-racist, which I would say amen to because mm-hmm. biblically that's hatred. Yeah. It's hatred without cause. And I think even hatred with cause, Jesus would say that we would love our enemies and that we would not hate someone in our heart, that that would be like murder or at least the seedbed for such a thing. And so I'm against that. But to say that this is the way that we deal with anti, you know, anti-racism is the way we deal with this. And then that have an ideology strapped to it under the right. name of social justice. The fruit's not there. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just not there. And I don't see it. Um, I don't see the fruit of it. And so what I believe is not I'm not here to be anti that I'm here to be mm-hmm. pro what scripture teaches. Yeah. And the Bible teaches that Jesus is our reconciler. The Bible teaches that we're reconciled to him. Our sin is forgiven. Now we go and reconcile to one another as a result of that. Now that we love our brother or our sister, now that we can do what the mm-hmm. word says, yeah. that's really what, seeing them as redeemable. What, that's right? what that we're Jesus after. Exactly. And, and, and I've said this in our church many times. I've said, um, I never cared about any of this mm-hmm. before I was a Christian. I didn't yeah. have the heart for it. I, I, didn't, I didn't have a desire to do anything beyond what mattered to me. And this is why preaching the gospel and seeing the heart changed. The heart has to change. Um, and, and yes, systems and structures need refinement. Yes, um, uh, I think power needs accountability. Yeah. I'm not against that. I mean, mm-hmm. all power needs accountability. Yeah. Um, but this is where you, social justice would have us believe that you need to defund, yeah, defund the police. Dismantle. Or, but justice yeah. would have us Reform. to say that we need to bring accountability yep. to all of those who are in power. Of course, we want accountability in mm-hmm. our law enforcement, but we don't defund mm-hmm. and devalue because it goes Again, in the opposite. It perpetuates yeah. the injustice that we're trying. It goes to. in the opposite direction. Yeah. We need to refine. We need to bring accountability. All power needs accountability. Pastors, right. parents, law enforcement, politicians, all legislation needs accountability. That's why we have a voting mm-hmm. system. Thank God in our country, and things can change, and the balance of power can equal out. And it has, in order to right historical wrongs. But this is vital. Like mm-hmm. uh, when we're talking about social justice. I don't know if often people are um, realizing like just how far these ideologies have gone, right? Well, I think like for me, the poll is that if I don't agree with this or believe this, then I'm not black. I'm not culturally black, right? right? right. So that's, that's the thing that I wrestle with, right? Is like, we talked about this last time, I get no points for saying what I think, you know, and it's just not just my opinion, but facts. This is why this has been, I've been so passionate about it because it's really been a journey for me. I didn't just, you know, wake up or have these thoughts. Like I think, I, you know, I remember, you know, the, what, when, you know, everything around Trayvon Martin, I remember how I felt. I remember thinking in my mind, what would I, if I, you know, were to have something happen to me, like a police officer shoot me or something like that, then maybe then people at my church would see, because I'm a good person, maybe they would finally see this. You know, I watched the documentaries, you know, I had this kind of thought process. And as I begin to look more, you know, uh, biblically to ask questions, to, uh, you know, look at some, you know, more facts or things like that, I started to see that it, 
uh, I think this is what happens a lot is I begin, I had, I didn't notice that I had adopted some things from social justice B that weren't social justice A. Mm -hmm. So for me, uh, the struggle was, okay, if I don't agree with this, and like even as we talk about uh, police, it's interesting when they did uh, actual surveys and questions and asking people that there was a huge percentage of uh, of the black people that they surveyed that said they wanted the same or more um, uh, police. And I think for me, what's hard is it's like you have this narrative that almost is like all black people think this. You have to think, you know, defund the police. You have to think that white people are oppressors. And I think the struggle for Christians, um, those who may be white, is where I feel the pull, like, I have to say this in order for me to be considered black, right? And that was something I wrestled with, you know, for a long time when I was younger, wanting to feel accepted, um, you know, as a black person. I think for a lot of the churches, like, we don't want to be seen as oppressors, right? We don't want to be seen as, and you know, and uh, perpetuating injustice. You know, we don't want to be on the wrong side of history. And so we might start to adopt some of the language and some of maybe the activism uh, that comes out of social justice, be maybe thinking that, uh, you know, our we're actually doing justice and not realizing that we're actually buying into an ideology um, that, the, that is different than, than what the Bible would call us to. And so I think not necessarily intentionally, but I think there are people in the church that are just really, their hearts are to do the right thing. And there may be, there's, Confusion. Even when we talk about some of the things we're talking about today, uh, they don't know what critical race theory is sometimes, or they don't know what some of these things are, but it is a part of the conversation, if that makes sense. I heard, I I was hearing a pastor talk recently. I I don't actually know if he was a pastor, but he was on a stage with a microphone at a church. Mm -hmm. So I'm assuming he was a pastor, but I... Checked all the boxes. Yeah. I mean, I I don't know. I don't know. It looked like a fashion show. (laughs) But anyhow, what do I know? Um, it was pretty bad. Mm. So I, I was listening to him and he defined critical race or cri- sorry, again, critical theory is like the mm-hmm. tree. Okay. It's, it's, it's actual critical theories. Mm-hmm. There's, there's many of them. It goes, goes back. It's, it's, it's very academic mm-hmm. approach to criticizing, critiquing, critiquing yeah, systems very and system structures, structures ideologies, mm-hmm. uh, even, um, you, you know, modern and, and, and going back mm-hmm. very highly influenced by Karl Marx, but it's it primarily used to be in the academic world. Now it's infiltrating our society. Critical race theory is the primary one that we hear, hear about, about today, today just yeah. with, within the racial tension. And, uh, and of course we want to address the racial tension. We, we, as Christians, we want to have ethnic harmony. We want people to come together. We believe that's um, implicit in the gospel. So, um, but he was defining critical theory and I, I can't remember exactly how he defined it, but I just remember after reading a book, here's a book you want to read. It's called, um, cynical theories. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. you can read that book. It's a great, uh, it's an academic work. It, it's a lot to get through. I guarantee you, most of you that go by it will have a hard time reading it. Cause I did, but it goes through post, uh, post-modernity, meta-narratives. It ta- I mean, you want to knock yourself out with cultural words, go for it. This book has it all for you. My point is, is that he defined critical theory as something, I, I was like, what is he talking about? It was like a very simplified definition, like um, critical theory is like, it's what goes, teaching race or something. It's like, like going against race. what God says or something. And I was just yeah. like, what? <laughs> mm. He had no idea what it meant. Like yeah. he just did not know what it meant. And so it was another reflection to me that the majority of people who even nod their head to what critical theory is and critical race theory do not know what it means. Yeah. And so here's what I would say to you. 
you should know what it means. You should know what critical race theory means. You should be able to define it and describe it. It will take you a little bit of homework, but it's important that you don't get it confused because when you see critical theory and critical race theory in the the words of people that are espousing things, mm-hmm. um, in the mouths of our politicians and our po- political platforms, um, infiltrating into our legislation now at this mm-hmm. point, what you're going to find is that you're going to, dis- as a Christian, you're going to probably disagree, obviously, with some of these things that you're seeing and hearing. But you may not know that this isn't just coming from somebody's uh, personal viewpoint. It is coming from an ideology that they've been taught that is being advocated. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's very much of what you're talking about. It's, right. it's, it's putting people into classes um, in, in various ways mm-hmm. and through then intersectionality, through basically. intersectionality. Yeah. And it's, it's saying, here's the oppressed, here's the oppressor. Mm-hmm. And let's tear down every structure or any structure or system that puts this person into power and brings this person down low, yeah. but it really doesn't have any solutions. Right. And yeah. that's part of the problem with critical theory in general is it is a critique. It is not a solution mm-hmm. based ideology and it doesn't really offer that it doesn't have that it doesn't promise that mm-hmm. and so yeah the bible does though and that's why being aware of what these things are is important but also knowing what scripture says in in the middle of this now i'm not trying mm-hmm. to monopolize um our time but there are massive amounts there are massive amounts of scriptures that speak to both <clears throat> sides mm-hmm. proverbs 17:15 acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent both are detestable to the lord yeah. what yeah. a powerful passage it's that great. is um, Acts chapter 10, verse 34 through 35, Peter opened his mouth and said, truly I understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. Mm-hmm. So what we want to advocate for is for people to do what is right before God, no matter whether you're rich or you're poor, you're black yeah. or you're white, you are in a lesser position or a higher position, but there is partiality is a double-edged sword. Yeah. And James uh, chapter two actually talks about this. If you're ever watching Bible Foundations, we're going through the book of James. I just finished James one. We're going to James two, but James two talks about partiality. And it's specifically talking to this community where James is saying, do not show partiality to the person that is rich. But James would say the same exact thing as Proverbs mm-hmm. seventeen fifteen does, is that we're not to show partiality at all, yeah. because the definition of partiality was to actually put one up above the other. And it says God does is not partial. He treats everyone the same. So mm-hmm. essential equality is always to treat everyone the same. But where we see injustice, where we see something that is wrong, then we step in as people who love Jesus and people who love others and bring what we have in order to minister to one another. That's mm-hmm. what what we do. But we're not trying to say, you know, we're not trying to overemphasize that. We're just simply ministers in the mm-hmm. hands of God. I want to actually bring up one last, uh, what I would call maybe a, uh, it's not so much a counterfeit. That's not the yeah. way that I would define it, but you have to, um, maybe another form of, yeah, of you justice. have to be generous. Okay. With the uh, mm-hmm. terminology that I'm using, because mm-hmm. I'm sort of trying not to use some terms because I know that no matter what I say or how I say it, there there's buzzwords and, mm-hmm. and uh, I realize that it, it's, it's very triggering and, and we're, we're doing our best, but I, I would say that another version that is not a counterfeit, but I would I would say is being used today as sort of a way of a way out of injustice. 
You know, this is the way. It's not biblical justice per se, but it's almost like we believe that this is the way that 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 we need to bring about what is right in our society and community. I'm, I'm of course talking as an American who lives in Western Washington. And that is what I'm calling political justice. Now, don't mm. misunderstand me. First of all, let me just say, I've got a couple podcasts coming out on uh, politics and Jesus and voting and all that. And I, I think politics are, are very important. Mm-hmm. I think legislation is extremely important. I think our vote matters. I don't advocate, nor do I think it's wise to, to uh, tell people that you don't have to vote, shouldn't vote. I, I, I think no matter who you're going to vote for, sometimes when we say things like the lesser of two evils or mm-hmm. whatever, you, you still we still have to vote responsibly. We have we have to be educated, understand what is at stake and why we would vote for this person over that person, yeah. uh, policy wise, ideology wise, legislation wise, future wise. I think all of that's extremely important. What I'm watching though today is not just people saying politics matters. Voting matters, legislation matters, laws matter. I'm not, I actually, what I'm seeing today is I'm seeing people go even farther and putting all their eggs in that basket. That like, if we don't get the right people in office, mm. we're not going to be able to turn society mm-hmm. around. So, so what I'm yeah. saying is, is why I think this could be a substitute for biblical justice is that what we're saying is, is that if we can't do this, then God won't do that. And that to me becomes a substitute. Now, even for me to say this, it's very similar to what we could talk about with race and Mm -hmm. critical race theory. It's that if you as a black person, you're half black, half white, but to the world, you're black, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just the way people are going to see you. But if you don't say certain things, then you're not properly advocating um, on a side that Mm -hmm. needs to say a certain thing in order to bring a specific result. And then if you don't do that, then God won't do this, right? I mean, that's Mm. sort of, it it, it flies in the face of biblical justice. And that's the challenge that, that you're communicating. The challenge that I often am dealing with is that I'm a moral, compassionate conservative. But I often do not agree, I would say pretty regularly, not mm-hmm. all the time, but pretty regularly, do not agree with fellow conservatives yeah. about their methodology, not their assessment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not the way you assess it, it's the way you address it. Mm-hmm. You assess it as wrong and it needs to be made right. Okay, I often agree, right? But the way you address it is, in my view, not within keeping of what I would call biblical justice. It, and so if I don't say as a person who others will say, well, you say you're conservative, but if mm-hmm. you don't advocate this way, say this thing yeah. and pre- present yourself as this angry, then mm-hmm. you don't care that yeah, much. You know, get, you bit both sides. And, and, are upset and, with and you. this is a problem yeah. because I think part of what we haven't recognized in this entire conversation when it comes to substitutes for biblical justice is that political justice is important to me, mm-hmm. just like right. racial justice is important to me. Yeah. But what I'm not agreeing with is the way we address it, not yeah, necessarily right. the way we assess it. Mm-hmm. And that to me is actually the space that we need to communicate and conversate mm-hmm. more, which is yeah. why we're here we have today. to have more charity for each other in that space. But I'm, I'm bringing this up because voting matters, laws matter, all of that matters. I, I am more engaged now politically than I've ever been, yeah. but I'm not more angry 
than I've ever been. I'm not more hopeless than I've ever been. Mm -hmm. I believe in God more than I used to. I believe God can turn the hearts of people more than I used to. I believe God can work um, in the midst of darkness more than Mm -hmm. I used to. I believe God um, can turn a prison sentence into a ministry opportunity. Mm -hmm. I mean, I believe God can turn a valley into a flourishing field. I mean, I am not trying to say it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I am trying to say we got this because of who God is. Yeah. And and so on one hand, yes, I am going to responsibly educate myself and those around me, but I cannot turn the pulpit into simply a political conversation. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean that I will not speak about moral uh, and biblical issues. But I often won't use the same narratives that policies and politics do because I believe they want us to be Pinocchio. I mean, they Mm. just want to puppet people. And I see through the manipulation. And prophetically, I will not allow myself to be given to that personally. Mm. I will not. And I am nobody's puppet. And I I advocate against that highly. And so political justice, just like racial justice, just like social justice. I don't agree with what defines social justice today, but all biblical justice has social implications. I don't agree with the way critical race theory is fully assessing and addressing the situation, Mm -hmm. but I believe in racial justice, Mm -hmm. right? I I believe that politics matter and I believe in bringing justice through the political system, but I don't often agree Mm -hmm. with how some people will go about it. And, And so... Um, or believe that it's the savior, you know? And so I think this is actually a third potential substitute for some people who who think that if we just get enough people, like they won't share the gospel with anybody. Right. They don't disciple anybody. They don't, uh, th- their belief in the church is that if the church just gets their act together, and starts advocating more politically, then we'll turn this thing around. It's like, they don't, they act like they're not saying that that's the most important thing. But when I get around people that are there, that's exactly what they believe. Mm -hmm. Because if you, I've said, I said this to our intro class the other day, sorry, I'm monopolizing the time. I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to pass the microphone over to Isaiah in a second. I said this to our intro class the other day. I said, I believe that the church has woefully miscalculated the gospel that we don't preach. Yeah. When I tell people 90% plus never share the gospel, if you do the math, what it means is we're losing. Mm. We, we are losing and we will lose. It means that because if we don't share the gospel and if we don't make disciples and if we don't walk out our faith and do justice in a world that's practical, not post on social media, mm-hmm. do that, don't do that. I don't care. But where is our presence? Where is our voice? Where only God sees. The Bible says that we would do things before God that our heavenly father who sees in secret will reward us openly. That we don't let our left hand know what our right hand is doing. Today, we let everybody's hand (laughs) know what our right hand is doing. Mm -hmm. And that is where Jesus would say, you have your just reward. Yeah. Because you did that so that other people could see you. Give you you glory and not him. And that's to me an affront and it's robbing God of worship in that you're not doing what you do because it's right and righteous. You're mm-hmm. doing what you do because you want other people to think that you care. Mm-hmm. Stop doing that. 
care because you care and give your worship to God by doing what he calls you to. And I, I just think this political side of this, if we go too far and we miss the fact that we're not doing some of the things that the Bible simply says, and when you look at Jesus's life and the Apostle Paul's life, and just consider how they operated in a world that was woefully political, incredibly political, very difficult, lots of hostility. I'm not a um, pacifist though, Mm -hmm. but I'm just saying that like, if we put all of our chips in that basket, our eggs in that basket, we we believe this is how it's going to happen instead of God moving. I, I can't, I can't believe that. Yeah. I can't believe that. And, and and to me that that is that is something that um people in all the countries of the world, the fastest growing church right now is the Iranian church. Mm. You tell me how that is the case. Yeah. The fastest growing church is is a place where it's the darkest and it's where the light is shining the brightest. Why? Mm-hmm. Because there are people that have nothing but the mission of God. Yeah. They have nothing but the gospel of Jesus. They have nothing but the truth of, of Christ. And I believe that if we are not abandoning ourselves to the true gospel of Jesus in a way where we're bold and we're, we're not allowing blood to be on our hands, we're going to go after people. I, I think the greatest injustice perhaps that is being done is the people that have the spiritual cure to spiritual cancer will not share it. Mm-hmm. The people who know what others don't know, while we're all, Paul says, we're all decaying, we're all dying. We know what others don't know. We know where we're going when we die by the grace of God. And yet we hold back on people and even label them and judge them. And even in our political differences, sometimes we will label as a conservative, I'll label somebody a leftist. And this is a person who's made in the image of God, loved by God. And think about how unjust it is for me to label a person, not speak to them about the glorious gospel of Christ, simply because I have a disagreement. That is one of the greatest injustices that is happening, in my opinion, in the American world. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I have tried to convince people of this to the point of receiving the burden of prayer. And I pray that the, the revival comes. I pray mm-hmm. to God that the revival comes. I, we need an awakening. Yeah. And this awakening is not to these other forms of justice. It is to true biblical justice. Yeah. It's to true biblical justice. Yeah. What do you think about that, brother Isaiah? Hey, you took the words right out of my mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I think I I took all the words out of your mouth. (laughs) (laughs) I think what I see you advocating for and what we're advocating for (laughs) is that uh, God is ultimately the one who reconciles, right? And Mm -hmm. I think we can get so caught up in doing things to basically prove that we uh, care, that we are, um, you know, advocates or whatever. We do, we do for, as you said, for out in public so that we can receive that. And I think at the end of the day, it's what a, a great critique that, that, you know, we, we talk about critical race theory, which is a critique. And then for us, oftentimes those conservatives, all we do is critique. We critique everything, but, and we talk about it, but there, and, and we talk about policies or whatever, things like that, but there isn't like the statistics on people who share the, their faith, it shows you like what how is do more we, important. How do we, how do you hear that and not go, yeah. what the heck? Yeah. No, I mean like, how For do real. you hear that and go, Jesus said, go preach the gospel of all creation, make disciples of all nations. How do we hear that? The mm. clear word of God and go, yeah, but yeah, 
I just, it just like, it baffles me. It's mm-hmm. like, I really believe it is that right there is evidence that the church needs an awakening, not mm. to the things that people are saying is the white knight that's going to solve all the problems, but actually to true biblical justice. God sent Jesus who died in our place because of our sin and bids all people to come and be made right with their heavenly father. Preach it. So that message actually can solve a lot of what it is that we're facing, and the mm. proof text that I use, it's not a text, but the proof story that I use for that is that I never cared until yeah. my heart was alive to Jesus. I mm-hmm. never cared. And the reason that I say that is because I know if I was still that 19-year-old kid and now being 42, I would still be in the same place that I was. I wouldn't care about anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't, you know, just selfishly, I wouldn't have done half of the things that I did in my life. There's no way yeah. that I would have that I would have done that. I mean, you and I sitting here today is redemption. People mm-hmm. may not realize this, yeah. but like I met you when you were 10. Yeah. You know, and I was 23. And I don't know what got into me thinking, man, I can raise yeah, I could be a dad, you know. <laughs> and I don't have a clue what got the only thing I thought is that I'll give it my best shot and I wanted to love you and God mm. has brought something beautiful out of our relationship yeah. and my relationship Praise with your God mom and our family and your brother and um, and the man that you are today. And the fact that people can't see sometimes the way we can't see the beauty of how God works when we're not even screaming the loudest to be known by people. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, um, you know, because as far as I'm concerned, you are going to be able to do 10 times um, anything anybody could imagine hmm. that's involved in all of these arenas today of wanting to do right by people because you love God. Yeah, It's that one thing alone that mm-hmm. you love God and because you know him and you love him, you are going to be able to do right and righteously in the world and it will impact. And this is literally why I'm a pastor mm-hmm. because I am abandoned to what I just said. I am utterly abandoned to it. I am no hired hand, neither are you. I don't do this for a paycheck. I don't care if I get one or not. What I care about is that people come alive to God. I'm a revivalist. That's what I am. That's what I'll remain. These other things matter to me. Mm -hmm. And I, but I believe that they, the consequence of them being resolved um, flows out of a relationship with our heavenly father who dictates what is truth and what is right. Amen. I wouldn't even care if I didn't study the word of God, know what it says and wake up in the morning and say, God, what is your will today? How can I be about that? Mm -hmm. And that's what I'll advocate, you know? And so Isaiah, let's, um, I'm getting ready to close. Can I give kind of like a verse that I think if I say no, (laughs) you could say no. Are you, do you owe me money? I do not. Unless you're talking about royalties. Okay. (laughs) I am royalty. (laughs) Preach it, brother. Preach it. (laughs) Share it. Share it from the rooftops. Uh, No, I just thought this was a good, uh, a good verse. Uh, When I, I talked about this with my students, we called it the Christian way, right? Mm -hmm. The Christian way to go about, um, how, you know, how do we respond, right? Because the it, it not just talk about it, but let's do something about it. And I think right. that's something about a lot of young people that's really great is that this generation wants to do something. Yeah, they do. Um, and so let's do that. And I think part of that is what I would call like radical love. And I think it, a good picture of that is in Romans uh, chapter 12. Mm-hmm. That's a couple of verses. So I'm going to read it. It says this, it says, don't just pretend to love others, really love them 
hate what is wrong, hold tightly to what is good, love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honoring one another. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Don't curse them. Pray that God will bless them. Be happy with those who are happy. Weep with those who weep. Mm. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. Never pay back evil with more evil. Do things in such a way that everyone can see that you are honorable. Do all that you can to live in peace with everyone. Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. Instead, Mm. and this is a huge part, if your enemies are hungry, feed them. If they are thirsty, give them something to drink. And doing this, you will heap burning coals of shame on their heads. Mm. Do not let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good. Mm. I think that's an incredible, perfect picture of like what we're advocating for, mm. right? Is one that can sit with people regardless of where they lean or regardless of what they believe or think, but we can treat them with justice, mm-hmm. right? To care for them to sit with those who are oppressed, to you know, care for those who are poor, to do what we can with the resources that we have to be stewards unto God, to bring Him glory. That's a powerful verse. Yeah, I love it. It's, it's one of my favorites. It's not a verse, it's mm-hmm. a passage of scripture. Yeah, Romans 12, 9 yeah, through 21. Amen. Um, how do we, I just will close by talking about these things. Mm-hmm. And I think this is really important to kind of have next steps. How can we address injustice in our world as followers of Jesus? How can we build bridges and not walls? Yeah. How can we understand the language that the world is speaking and yet uh, be able to speak the language of Christ in the desire to do that, which is right and good and bring essential equality into the world, um, lift up those that need to be lifted up, um, you know, Jesus talked about um, bring, uh, you know, uh, giving sight to the blind, binding up the brokenhearted, setting the captives free. How can we do that? And I, I have a couple uh, thoughts and I, I mm-hmm. would like for you to share yours. Yeah. Um, the first one is simple though. Uh, and I, if you're ask, asking the question, what can I do? Because the Bible says, do justice. It doesn't just say talk about justice, it says yeah. do justice. So number That's one good. is prayer. Mm. Um, I, and here's why I would say that prayer is not inactivity or passivity. I don't care what the world says. I don't care what some people have, um, def- how they've defined prayer. I believe with all my heart that prayer is active faith. It's what, it, when a person prays, you're observing their faith in action. Mm-hmm. It is faith in action. There's resistance against prayer because the enemy knows that if his God's people pray, they're praying to a big God. If you want to pray, he says, speak to the mountain. Move, if you speak to the mountain, the mountain will be moved or be cast off into the sea if you believe. Why? Because you're talking to the mountain maker. I mean, yeah. you're talking to the one that can literally change physical realities where you can't. And there's this angst that we feel in the midst of all that we're facing, all the injustice. I mean, we're talking about abortion. We're talking about child exploitation. We're talking about disabled people and people that are elderly that are are being uh, overlooked, misused, abused, put down. We're talking about starvation. We're talking about people 
um, literally going thirsty and not having clean drinking water. Um, we're talking about racial divides and tensions and oppression and difficulty and pain and human slavery and sex slavery and all of this. We're talking about all of this. How, how do we address that? If we, we have to start with prayer because prayer will give us a burden to begin to love and to begin to see. Our eyes start to open. Yeah. Um, the story that I was thinking about when I thought about the example of prayer was the story of the Exodus. Mm. It says that God's people, the Israelites, were crying out to God at different times that the burden was so heavy as they were in slavery. They begin to cry out to God. And as they cried out to God, it says that God heard them and he sent them a deliverer whose name was Moses. God rose up a deliverer to, to take care of his people, to lead them out into better places. And even if we're not the ones that are under that oppression, if you are, then you obviously need to know God hears the cry of your heart. He hears your prayers. But even if you're not the one under that oppression, but you're praying for those that are, God hears the cries and the prayers of his people. Mm-hmm. And it says in 1 John chapter 5 that when we pray according to his will, he hears us and we can know that he answers us. Well, is it God's will to bring about justice? That's you just read that God's the one that will bring about retributive justice. Yep. He will do that. Mm-hmm. And so that's the first step. That's not the only step, but to yeah. me, that is the is step one. What, what else do we need to do to bring about justice. Yeah. And I don't know, I haven't seen your list, but a prayer I don't definitely is want so to important. share with you my list. <laughs> I want to But uh you know me, I like three points. So <laughs> you might have more, but uh almost like pray, give and go. Mm-hmm. Um so giving of our finances, our resources, right? I think what can happen as we talk about there's a huge list of injustices. It can feel very overwhelming, right? Mm-hmm. To where do we even start? What do we do? And I think part of that is giving of resources. And I think this is where our kids, parents, our kids can tap in. Um, one of the most valuable things that you have is not money, it's time, mm-hmm. right? It's it's something mm-hmm. that you will never, ever get back. And so um, I think it's important for us to, whether to be give our time, to give our resources, it doesn't always look like money, but I think money is, is a way that we um, add to that, as a way that we participate. And I think then it's also to go. And, and here's something I've noticed being um, on church staff for six years or so, I think oftentimes as Christians, we wait for the church to set something up. We wait mm-hmm. for the church program or whatever. And those are great. We should have those. The church should lead those. Absolutely. Um, but oftentimes I wonder if the things that you are you care about, are the things that the Lord has put in your heart, what's stopping you from starting something? Mm-hmm. You know, what stops you from uh, going with the Seattle Union Gospel? We've done this with the kids and they do um, they they do the search and rescue at night and, and you go out there and you help uh, give uh, resources, food, and you pray for people. And it and it does, again, it, 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 it's now we're not just talking about it. Now we're actually talking to people who have been on the streets for mm-hmm. however long, you know, and, and they're telling us their stories. We're praying for them. You know, going to Cambodia, raising that money to go on a mission trip to see with my own eyes, wow, this, this injustice that's happening here. How can we serve here? How can we continue to give? Um, so I think, yeah, it, pray, 
give, go, participate in it. Don't just talk about it um, and bring your kids into it as well. Mm, um, I think that's, I mean, it's such a, it's so cool when we more get to see generations. Taught, right? Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And so bring your kids on mission trips, you know, be be willing to take those steps. Don't just wait for the church to start something. If you're passionate about something, do it and tell people to come with you. Mm-hmm. You know, bring people to the places around here that we've talked about, Pregnancy Resource Center or the food pantries or all the, all or get, and give money, give time. So the, those are things I think that are just practical steps. I think- I think it's important to educate ourselves. Yeah. I think we need to know what the word of God says about truth and, mm-hmm. and, and what God's word says about justice. Um, there's a lot of just very practical scriptures about, like I'm just thinking about one guy who walked up to me one day, this was years ago, and he said, you know, I've never heard a sermon about how to treat the disabled. Hmm. And it's just amazing because like he was reflecting on how like young pastors are coming up today and they all want to preach like some kind of message on faith and something that's inspirational. And he's he was an older guy and he said, I just wish that we would talk sometimes about practical things. Like yeah. there are passages in the Bible that give us a heart, God's heart on treating people that are uh, treating people with with dignity and respect and honor that um, this society says are not normal. And yet they are made in the image of God and to God they are, mm-hmm. you know, just because the something on their body isn't quite right or something about who they, how they are functionally isn't the same, but to just, uh, you don't bring value, but you treat them in equality. And it shows that you, have value for them. Mm-hmm. God is the one that gives value to people. We are the one that acknowledges what God has given. Yeah. And I think it's important. Um, I'm just talking about people who are disabled and what, whatever that means, but that we, God's put us around people. And sometimes uh, folks will act like they're in an inc- inconvenience and that attitude mm. needs to change. Yeah. Basic justice has a lot to do with how we see people and how we treat them. Yeah. The Bible gives us that heart. And that's one of the things I love about scripture is that it shares with us God's heart for all people. And it opens our heart to not show partiality, to not treat someone better than another person because of what we get out of it. We love people not because we get them to love us back. We love people because we love them mm-hmm. and we value them. Yeah. And we, we add, we add uh, I think we affirm the value of God and we perpetuate justice by simple things, by yeah. simple things. Like if you're at a church and the only people you're trying to seek out and talk to and, and, and have fellowship with are just people who somehow make you feel better or are like you, I think a lot of that is, um, is it, isn't going to bring that joy and satisfaction that often when we diversify, Mm-hmm. and really begin to walk with others that we don't tend to seek out because of the way that we often will think without having that interjection of truth, that interjection of truth that sort of deny self, deny what I get out of this, deny. It isn't to say I'm better and you're lesser, but it is like, hey, I, I don't see someone less than, mm-hmm. but you have to prove that by the way you behave and the way you act. And so I just thought it was interesting that a guy walked up to me some at one point and said, yeah. I would really like to hear that. And I was like, wow, that was a convicting yeah. 
he wasn't even trying to convict me. He was just saying, this is so important, you know? Mm. And uh, so I think education, like knowing what the word of God says and reading all of the words Mm -hmm. and not just thinking about how this inspires me to be like a better person, but it actually gives me eyes to see other people. Like think otherly when you read the Bible, think how can I be present for love, support, give to, and pray for others. And when mm-hmm. you think otherly, when when we move into maturity, we start to think otherly. We don't just think about how can I feel better, know something more, and get more for myself. Like we really begin to think otherly. So education, I would say engage politically. And what I mean by this is that what I'm doing now is that I support law enforcement. And um, and so I'm engaging with the our city's police department. I'm praying for them regularly. I'm praying for our city council members. I'm, I just emailed our mayor yesterday. I'm praying for him. I let him know we were praying for him and that we support uh, a safe environment and that yeah. we first believe that God watches over and we're praying for that. And we also want to engage and say, is there is there anything that we can do um, and just ask and offer, you know, to to do justice mm-hmm. in our city yeah. as Christians. Um, and really just engage politically does not mean to me about spinning ideology and narrative and posting yeah. stuff about how angry I am that people don't agree with me. Uh, but it is to engage politically also to know the legislation. Um, I actually read the the curriculum uh, that's being espoused to our public schools. And I woefully disagree with this mm-hmm. sex education curriculum. But there's one thing to disagree, but there's another thing to how do we then bring about that change? And so you have to educate yourself on these things to bring about justice so that young people aren't taught wrong and wrong things in our school systems and really pray for our teachers, pray for their salvation, pray for some of their support. I meet many teachers and they don't know what to do. You know, they're in a struggle and they're in a fight in the world that we live in. So engage politicians, vote, know what the Bible says about righteousness and be able to vote even when you don't fully agree on either candidate, you know, that's going to be um, mm-hmm. the case. Anything else that you want to share? I have one final no, thought great. before we yeah, get ready to close. Getting ready to close. Got mm. many doors. We got many doors. You've heard my joke before. <laughs> I got a hundred doors in this sermon though. Close them all. Yeah. No, I think, uh, I think the, the, the worldview that we have coming at it from the Bible is so freeing and and it allows me to sit with the police officer and understand the struggles, right? Yep. And and to go on a ride along and go, wow, like I have tremendous respect uh, for people who put their lives on the line all the time. Mm-hmm. And to also sit with friends that I know who have been treated poorly by some mm-hmm. police officers and go, man, I'm so sorry that that happened. And, uh, you know, these are things that I think that need to take place in order for this not happen again, you know? And that's what I love about following Jesus is that I don't have to, it's it, it's more complicated than people make it seem, you yeah. know, they kind of reduce it down to say this. We um, don't want nuance. No. Cause it's, and, cause it's, it's nice to have a box where you can say I'm against this, but then right. it doesn't mean that you're for it. Yeah. We never, isn't that, so we've talked about that. We never so here's my, here's my for. thought. Here's my final thought. This yeah. is the challenge of 2022. And this is the challenge that I have in, in my life because I'm reestablishing things that are, an outworking of faith for every point of injustice to have a bridge to do justice. So for example, um, when it comes to abortion, obviously I'm against abortion and I'm pro-life and I believe the sanctity of human life, the sanctity of marriage, traditional marriage, all of that is true. 
but what is my bridge or my outworking of justice? Friends, that's where rubber meets the road. You have to have a bridge. What are you doing? Praying, educating yourself, but doing something. Mm -hmm. What can you do, even if it's simple, that expresses the heart of God through justice and not just protectionism and preservation? That's, that's too safe. God will not lead you into that type of safety. I'm engaging the police officers and I want to engage the homeless and the issues that we have with drug addiction that causes a lot of theft and crime in our community. Mm -hmm. But to have compassion in truth, but to also have compassion, love, and support. See, it's complex, but like for the abortion issue, pray, educate, advocate, support ministries like CareNet, like... uh, Pregnancy Pregnancy Resource Resource Center, Center, Mm -hmm. like New Beginnings. So Bridget and I went down to New Beginnings. Miles and Debbie, if you're listening, God bless you guys. We went down to New Beginnings in Puyallup in 40 years. They've helped 600 women uh, go through having their their baby and post-maternity care and also, um, you know, 12 to 24 months with being able to support their kids and turn themselves around and get a job and be able to get back out there and into the world and, and, and function the the way that they desire to, we support new beginnings. So Bridget and I, as a family and our church are, are going to re-engage new beginnings. And that's going to be our bridge to uh, promote justice. And we're promoting um, the opposite of abortion Mm -hmm. because young people don't have housing. They don't understand adoption. They don't. So we have Mm -hmm. to have an answer. And the same is true for human slavery, sex slavery, advocating against pornography and Mm -hmm. for purity. See, there's prevention and then there's rescue. Uh, All right. Preventing people from doing certain things that lead to the demand. That's really important. Starvation, praying, giving, supporting, educating, funding missionaries, having them tell stories on our platform Mm -hmm. so that we can really be involved in the water crisis that's in the world. And also with children, we at our church support Royal Family Kids Camp, Teen Reach Adventure Camp. We do camps for the kids. This is something that we believe in, um, supporting the foster care system. Some of us can get licensed and provide respite care. All of this is justice because there's injustice that's being done to the most vulnerable, providing space and place and care for widows and giving them purpose because just because you're in a situation of life does not mean that God is done with you. It doesn't mean that it's a label over your head. It just means that maybe you might need a helping hand. And that might be hard for some of you who have suffered such difficulty and pain in your life and and your circumstances change, but God's not changed. God's purpose for you is not done. And that's to just, again, give value back to people where maybe life has sucked it out of them. And I think that's what the church can do in the days ahead. It's about having bridges and not just building walls so that we have an outworking of our faith and expression by building bridges that provide opportunities for justice in the face of injustice. I believe we can do that as we advocate for biblical justice. Do you have a final word? I'll let you have a final word. You know what? I think doing justice is so fulfilling. Yeah. So let's do it. Let's do justice. God, the biblical way. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Amen. Such an honor. Isaiah, good to have you. Good to be here. Uh, you can come back. Yeah. When, but when I invite you. Good. When I invite you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, thanks for tuning in today. I'd mm-hmm. love for you to like, subscribe, share this. Yeah. And again, if you ever have topics that you want me and or any guests that I'm going to have share 
with you. We, I would love to hear from you. Just go ahead and email us at the church office. But God bless you. I look forward to seeing you again next week for Conversations with Ben Dixon. Amen. Amen.